my voice on a mic is so much deeper than it sounds in real life to me. Wait, what? Like, my voice on a mic sounds way deeper when I listen to my own voice on the computer after I record it through a mic. It sounds deeper than I think it sounds in oh, real like life. Oh, like your voice in the, on the computer yeah, sounds Yeah, like when deeper. I listen... When I That's listen, a good thing. Are you saying my voice in real life sucks? No, I'm saying that, like... <laughs> I don't understand for guys no, that want to No, so you have this, this might be bullshit, but I'm pretty sure it's true. I've heard this fun fact. already started the podcast. Yeah, we're recording right now, so this is a fun <laughs> fact to open the podcast. I've heard this, me. I think it's true. Actually, I have the computer right here so I can Google it. Um, I'm pretty sure that you actually, in your head, you miss an octave of your voice just because like you don't hear it the same way as other people hear it. So your voice is an octave deeper than what you hear yourself speaking. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I feel like my voice I think that's in true. my head sounds higher pitched than it is in real life. Yeah. I'm going to Google it, though, just to make sure. Does your voice sound deeper in video? Why does your voice sound so different in recordings? Is this a if scientific you've... thing? What, what, do you, what website are you reading? What, where are we getting this from? Gizmodo. Well, I don't believe that shit. Okay, we don't believe the Gizmodo. Um, I don't know if there's any like really high-end media or news outlets making this article. Though. Yeah, no, there would be for sure. Would there? Yeah. What about Quora? No. No? Oh my god, it has to be something like reputable. Well, what's reputable? The, uh, like the New sci- York Times. What about like... science, Scientific America? Sure. That sounds legit, but it's all—it's also kind of legit because like there's so many articles about it already. So I feel like that's yeah, kind of yeah. But they a... could all be saying different things. Could yeah, that's true. Sound can reach the inner ear by way of two separate paths, and those paths in turn affect what we perceive. Air-conducted sound is transmitted from the surrounding environments through the externally, through wait, what's that? Through the external auditory canal. Uh, blah 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 blah. So. You're mumbling. I know, I'm not, I don't think it's, that's important. You're done earlier Bone conducted sound reaches the co- cochlea? How do you say that? Is that the cochlea? Mm. Do you know what that is? Yeah, because like cochlear implants is a hearing yeah. thing. Bone conducted sound reaches the cochlea directly through tissues of the head. Mm. That's kind of cool. So it sounds different when it's coming from the outside than when it's coming through the inside. Oh, that's why we hear it. So like when you, so like because when you like hear it, yeah. Like so like you hear it coming out of your mouth, but out of your mouth, out of your mouth, but then you also hear it coming from your vocal cords straight up to your ear. That would make sense. So it sounds different. So that's why it sounds. So when you hear it through a video or through recording, you only hear it from external, which is why it sounds different. Uh, that's why people hate their voices when they record. Like everyone, like almost everyone I've done a podcast with so far has been like, I hate my voice on recordings. It's like, yeah. everyone doesn't like it, but it's just because it sounds different. That's interesting. Yeah. Like sometimes I really am like, how do I even have friends when I hear a voice? <laughs> <laughs> my voice. Just super self-deprecating. That's me. Poor Callie. So what's up, Callie? Welcome back. Should you introduce yourself again? We've been together for the past four, four, uh, four days. We've been together. People are going to think we're married now. Oh shit, I almost spilled my water. You seem tired. I am tired, I told you <laughs> are, you are you up for this? Yeah. You gotta keep drinking your tea. It'll be good because it, like my, I'll talk a lot slower today. You'll <laughs> talk a lot slower. Yeah, because yeah, my, my mind is well working real slow today. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I did a lot of talking already today. I talked to three different people pretty intensely. Who, me? You, Dion, and Mama. Mama. For all, like, all morning and early afternoon. So now I'm pretty, like... Talked out. Talked out. And I listened to a pretty intense podcast. If you're listening to this, listen to the Joe Rogan and Naval Revijigig. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But if oh, you look up... That's what we were listening to in the car. That's the one that I listened to five minutes of and then was blocked. <laughs> and you blocked out for the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually a really good podcast. Joe Rogan and Navali talks about, like, happiness, which you need to listen to. I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, you're pretty happy. I'm just stressed. Yeah, why are you stressed out, Kali? Because. Tell everybody what you're doing. I'm trying to move into a van. Oh, my God. Well, what's the issue? I'm moving out of my house in two weeks and I don't have a van. <laughs> <laughs> you're really jumping into it. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a house, and I don't have a van, and I'm going to be homeless. You're not going to be homeless. We found a pretty good van today, though. Yeah, but I need to wait to take it to a mechanic, and then if that one doesn't work out, and every time I book a mechanic thing, it takes five days to get an appointment. So if I don't, if this one doesn't work out... You're going to live in a box. I'm going to live in a box. <laughs> you can live in a box in the Nymo. To be fair, I could probably squat on like the property that I'm working on. You could probably squat here, too. I think Jackie will let you chill. But yeah. I have to get to work. That's a problem. That's right. You can walk. It's not that far of a walk. Are you serious? It's only like 30K. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take you a little while. It's like, isn't that like a 30 minute drive? More yeah, than that. It's about that. it's like 30 minutes to downtown and <laughs> Get a bike. 30 minute drive to downtown and I'm, I have to get to a departure bay. Okay, well, you're stressing out about something that's not happening yet. true. I don't know what to talk about. I also haven't signed my contract yet, so I may not actually Oh yeah, you don't really know what you're doing, do you? I also maybe moving to San Francisco. What's happening? You didn't really tell me about what's happening in San Francisco. You just said, let's, you know what? Here we're going to talk about. Here, here is what we are going to talk about, Kelly. Tell me about marine biology. That's kind of like what I wanted to talk about when you first came on. Then we just had fun. Then we just <laughs> talked about like everything else under the sun. Because like I was actually, I actually am super curious about like how difficult it is to find a job in marine biology after you get your degree in marine biology. It's so hard. Like, it's not it's not like you just get out of college or university and they're like, here's a job. Like, you no. have... Like, yeah. It's like, you have to meet the right person who, like, hooks you up, you know? Because there's just so many people who are graduating from pretty much everything right now. It's not just marine biology, but, like, it's just hard... <laughs> It's just hard, that's it. No, I just was laughing because you're inching that towards me. Oh yeah, you're a little quiet. quiet. You're a little quieter than I am. Hello. Hello. Um Yeah, I yeah. Like honestly I don't think I would have a career if it wasn't for Adrian and I tell him that all the time. Because when I was in first year Adrian I, like the guy I met? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my friend who moved out here. Um when I was in first and second year I didn't like care about anything really. Like I went into school, like I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't work very hard. And then, um, and then I, in third year, he was like, Callie, like you should, uh, volunteer in this lab. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should do something to like work before I, before you before actually I graduate. graduate. Um, so in third year I started volunteering in a lab and through that I met a girl who he was already friends with, who, um, who go, went to Banfield Mm. Um, like on the island which has like this really nice marine station and because of her I started going there and I just started meeting like the right people and getting like good volunteering and like working opportunities and doing like some really cool courses and then just like actually having something to put on my resume yeah. and I really feel like everything I've done has been like a result of that 
Yeah. Like, I really do. I tell them all the time. Like, I feel like I appreciate that so much because you really do need someone who, like, and you can do everything for yourself, but you really do need one person who, like, either, like, pushes you to do something or gives you the opportunity to do something because, like, it's impossible to start from nothing. Yeah, you can't just, like, start your own marine biology practice. Well, you could. I mean, you could, but, like, it's it's kind of... And you still still need to know people. You need to, like, know clients. Like... Yeah. um, It's not a solo gig. No. And it's also, like, there's not a lot of money in it, so that's why there's, like, very few, um, like, positions. And it's also really interesting because, like, it's a really interesting job because depending on what you're doing, a lot of the time you're working, like, far away. And so Mm. you're living in really, like, confined spaces with, like, two or three people. Um, Sometimes one other person, sometimes by yourself. Yeah, because you're just pretty remote, right? Yeah, like, not usually, but there's a fair amount of jobs for sure that are very remote. And because of that, people are more inclined to hire somebody that they get along with. And I think that's also why I've been able to get a job, just because... I don't, like, I feel like I'm not that, like, uptight a person. No, you're easy to get along with. Yes, but it's not, like, easy to get along with. It's more, like, easygoing. Whereas, like, if you're working with people who have, like, a lot of, like, needs, even just, like, living needs, you know, like, I need, like, this, I need space, I need to cook this every night, I need to, whereas, like, I feel like I just go with the flow, and so it makes it easy for me to fit in in multiple, like, areas with multiple people that are, like, different ways. And even, like, I did an interview recently, and that's one of the things they were asking about. They were like, oh, you're going to be traveling a lot for work. Um... And, like, are you okay? You know, it's a lot of personalities, especially because the place I was interviewing for is, uh, like, there's just a lot of kind of more uptight people, mm-hmm. from my last experience there, at least. And then I was, that was what I said. I was like, well, I yeah. am pretty, like, go with the flow. Like, I don't have a lot of needs. Obviously, want to live in a van. Like, I don't need a lot. <laughs> uh, and so, but a lot of those people do. And so they, they need people who, like, kind of just... Like, there's, there's a lot of really big personalities, and then they need people who can just kind of, like, fit in anywhere. And I honestly think that's that's why I've gotten all the jobs that I got. Yeah. Like, obviously, so when I did my internship with the Smithsonian the first time, I got that job, like, by luck. Like, I have no idea how I got it. My dad had, like, my dad's, like, so nice. He, like, always looks for, like, other opportunities for me. Like, he's always, like, Googling, like, job applications <laughs> and all that. And he sent me that one, and I was like, I'm not smart enough to... To do. Work for the Smith Thumbs. Yeah. Because that's, like, pretty intense. Yeah, no, they're... Remember yeah. I, told, I told that... I forget who I said it to. They're like, holy shit, she worked for the Smithsonian? That's, like, pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, like, crazy. It's like the like, most... That's, like... That's, like, the only really famous... Yeah. One of the only really, really famous museums or, yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a museum, and, yeah, then they do a lot of research. And so mm-hmm. I was working for, like, the Environmental Research Center um, that they have. But, yeah, it's, like, crazy. But I... So I applied for that, and I remember, like, I told my dad, I was, like, I'm not going to get the job. And he was, like, just apply for it. So I applied, and then I remember asking, because you need... It was a really, like, intense, like, application process. You had to, like, write a paper about... Not a paper, but it was, like, a little mini essay about, like, why you thought you deserved the position. And you had to get, like, three letters of references from, like, professors or people that you've worked with, like... But people in biology. Like, you had to be, like... Can't just be, like... Your dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it couldn't be like, oh, like you worked for a superstore, you know? It's yeah. Like you needed someone who like had something to do with what you were going to be doing. A reference from the field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From the field. And then I remember I, I asked one of my professors for a reference and she was like, yeah, I'll write you a reference, but you're not going to get the job. She was like, they, they, she's like, they never accept Canadians to these things. She's like, I've written a couple before and they're like, you're not going to get it. And it's kind of funny. <laughs> did you tell her when you got the yeah, job? <laughs> what did she say? She was like happy. She's like, yeah. uh, she's a funny lady. She's like. I think did a few too many drugs in the 80s and she's just like kind of fried now like she's such a smart person but just like doesn't have very many social graces um but yeah she it was just funny and then um I think that I actually got the job only because the guy who hired me was too busy and so I don't think he saw on my application that I was Canadian 
Because why wouldn't they hire Canadians? Because it's a lot of extra work for them to hire. Because you have then you have to go through the whole US visa based, application. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. all U.S. based, and like they do bring in a lot of scientists, obviously, because it's a really big organization, and they have a lot of people come in. Yeah. But it was really interesting going through that process because like they didn't know how to do it. Like it was always me being like, "Hey, don't I need this?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, I guess you do." Like huh. it's so they a- obviously don't do it very often. Yeah, they must not. Um, and I remember when I got there. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm Canadian. They were like, oh, yeah, we didn't realize that. So you have your U.S. visa? No, it's a... So... It's, it's like a, a contract visa? Like, during contract? Um, yeah, it's like an interesting one. It's like, I got the same one that you would get if you're going to school in the States. Because oh. it's it's an educational institution that's funded by the government. Um, oh. But I think any anyways, if you're working for an educational institution, then it counts as a... So it's a J-1 visitor visa. So you literally don't do anything. Like, they give you this, like, sheet, basically, like, that you go to the border... And you show it to them, and then you're like, I'm immigrating to your country, and then they give you a visa, like a temporary... <laughs> what, really? Yeah, it was... Did I ever tell you the story about, No. Like, oh my god. You've never, you've never told me anything about anything you've done in the job. Well, I'll tell you the story about how I got to the States first, because it's funny, and then I'll tell you what I did. <laughs> okay. But uh, it was so funny. So, like, they... Yeah, so the, the whole time it was just, like, this really, like, stressful process, because, like, the people I was dealing with, they were super nice, but they just, like... They're so busy. Like, they have so much to do. And so they were, like, the people who, like, were in charge of bringing people from out of state or out yeah. of country in. But they, yeah, they were always confused and everything took such a long time. And so I ended up getting the paper that I needed. But I had no idea what I would do because I've only ever crossed the border by land just, like, regularly. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm coming in for two weeks or I'm coming in for a day, you know? Like, yeah. never, like, immigrating. Yeah. And so I I didn't know that, like, there's the immigration office is, like, past the border thing where you, yeah. like, drive up. Wait, okay, where did you work? In California. Okay. Yeah. Outside of San Francisco. The okay. same spot. That same I, spot you might go back to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's called Tiburon, and it's a... Oh, I've heard that place. Yeah. It's, like, it's across the Golden Gate Bridge, and then there's, um... Shoot, what's the name of that town? Sausalito, and then it's Tiburon. Okay. Um, but it's so beautiful, but... Um, yeah, so, like, I drove, so my mom, my mom and I drove from, I was living in Victoria at the time, and my mom and I drove for, I had flown back to Toronto because we were going to Vegas as a family, and I was supposed to come back to Victoria to, like, pack up all my stuff, but then I decided, I was like, well, like, I only have a month and then I'm leaving, so I might as well just stay in Ontario for a month, so I stayed that month, and then my mom and I drove from Toronto to Victoria, and then from Victoria, we picked up all my stuff, and then I, we drove to California, and then she flew home, and I kept their car out there, Mm. um, and then so we were driving to, like, the border, uh, and I, like, we pulled up to the, like, box office, not box office, well, yeah, the border yeah, office, whatever, yeah. and, uh, and the guy was, like, I was, like, oh, like, hi, like, and I was just really nervous in general, just because, like, I mean, I don't get nervous, like, moving to new places and everything, but it was just, like, a really different process, because I was going to be moving there for, like, five or six months, and it was, like, in a different country, even yeah. though the States is so similar, but almost in a way that's scarier, because, like, the differences are not noticeable, yeah. so you don't think about it in a different way, but there are different rules about things, yeah. so I think I was, like, kind of nervous about that, and so we pulled up, and I was, like, uh, hi, like, I have this, uh, this piece of paper, like, I'm immigrating, <laughs> <laughs> and he was, like, why don't you let me ask the questions? Really? And he, yeah, and he was this, like, guy who I swear must have been bullied so hard in high school and then just, like, got a border job and he, like, no, he's on power a power tripping. Trip. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay, and then he was like, okay, like, you need to bring this to the immigration office, like, go over there. So he, like, let me through. 
And then I was so stressed out that I sat in the car outside the immigration like office, bawling my eyes out. I can't like, imagine you trying to immigrate to a country for a full hour. Like, so my stressed. mom, my mom was sitting there and she's like, "Callie, like you can't just like bawling, like right outside." And they probably have so many security cameras. Like, what is this girl doing? Like, what's wrong with this yeah. girl? And then I walked in and it was all fine. And then the guy in there was so nice that I was like tear-eyed, like my face is all red. <laughs> my eyes <were> all red. <laughs> And then it was fine. It was no big deal. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a, it was a funny day. Was it hard though, like to get no. through? They just kind of accepted you. Yeah, like I went up and he was like, "Where are you working?" And then yeah, I don't really remember exactly now. what they asked, but the guy who helped me like inside the immigration office, it was so easy. Mm. But then, what did you actually do there? Like um, when you like you've never I know I know what you did. No, you don't really. Like, but you told me like the only thing I know about what you do is that you work with invasive species. Yeah. But it doesn't really, um, like, tell me much. <laughs> yeah, so, it's confusing. So, when I was with them, I was doing an internship, and, uh, I, so I wasn't really, like, technically working for them. Yeah. Um, I was, like, there to learn. Yeah. And, but it was kind of sweet, because I got paid to do the internship. Yeah. Um, so I got there, and basically the whole point was that I was going to be doing this research project about the feeding rate of a specific species. So... It's like a, it's called a tunicate and it's basically like a blob of jelly that like if you saw you wouldn't think it was alive until you like really look at it. Are those the ones that you look, like, like wash up on the beach and you um, can like poke them? I've never seen them wash up on beaches because oh. most of them are like, they're called fouling species. So basically they like attach to like blank substrate or whatever. What does uh, that mean? Like blank, like not substrate, sorry. They attach to like blank, um... Surfaces? Yeah, surfaces. Like what? Like what is a blank surface? What does that mean? Like docks. Like if you put it oh, in Oh, so dock, like man-made yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, they do, they do like settle on like rocks and stuff too yeah. and all that. But yeah, the ones that I was studying specifically are the ones that settle on docks and boats. Um, and so that's the big issue around them. Even though like a lot of times it's not actually an issue, but um, that like because they settle on boats. So basically they look for like... Um, like primary... It's like primary settlement. So if you have a blank space, then like things will settle there and yeah. then they'll attach and then after that things can like secondary settle like tertiary settle yeah. um and so they kind of like builds up this whole community they're kind of like the building blocks of the community yeah yeah it's like the so yeah so when you look at it you have like the first like sheet of things is, yeah like, the what primary. is it called what what's it called F- fouling species fouling species fouling invertebrates like foul f-o-u-l-i-n-g invertebrate marine invertebrates I would say or something and and you were doing what you were figuring out what they so eat I, no so one of them is, it's this like blobby thing called Siona Savigny and uh, it's a, basically a blob and it uh, filter feeds so like it pulls like particles out of the water and like algae and stuff mm. so I was um, monitoring its feeding rates like I was doing an experiment where like I was putting a certain amount of food in and I was changing the temperature and I was seeing if the amount of algae that we had in there um, or sorry, the amount, amount of plankton that we had in there, um, was, um, affected, like, the rate that they fed, and if the temperature of the water affected the rate that they fed, because most animals will start to feed faster if it's hotter, up into a certain point where their, like, metabolism kind of starts to, like, um, crash, mm-hmm. and then they just, like, die. And so it's, like, they have this, like, man, I'm so tired that all the words are, like, <laughs> no, you're doing good <laughs> they're all like I feel like if you weren't tired you'd be talking so fast I wouldn't be able to register any of this yeah that's true <laughs> um it's called their 
Oh my god, I can't believe I'm forgetting this word. Whatever. It's basically like the point at which they they can't function to their maximum. So yeah. if the temperature gets hotter, they'll function up to a certain point, and every species has a different point where like they then it goes back down, and then it's and then they have a point where they die. So it's like it's basically like a. Turning, it's kind of like a tipping point. Yeah. It's like, once, so like, you get, once they get too hot, they just can't function. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it will just decrease for a little bit, and then there's a certain point where What's the difference, though? Like, how hot does it have to get for them to... So it depends on every species. Um, so this one was a really interesting project because um, it's not, like, a super research species. Um, so people think, like, there's a lot of papers about them that, like, talk about their temperature range, like, temperature tolerance. Yeah. Um, and... It's pretty low, but then in San Francisco Bay, the the docks and stuff are in really shallow water, and so the water gets so hot. Mm. So like the the number or the temperature that people said they can live up to is like so low compared to what they actually can. Like I remember uh-huh. reading some papers that said they could live up to like uh, maybe twenty six degrees Celsius uh-huh. or something like that, and like we would have them in water like twenty eight degrees Celsius. Like we would pick them up in the day. Look, obviously the temperature would fall a lot at night, yeah. but but yeah. So you so you kind of like discovered something new um i wouldn't say i discovered something new like well you like re you kind of you kind of corrected what was not really because i never published the paper um because i was only there for four months and science is like really interesting because when you're doing research nothing goes according to plan and you really need a pretty long stretch of time unless things go perfectly which i've kind of realized never happens like there's a really long time where i was kind of like why am i always on projects that like go wrong and then i realized every project goes wrong like (laughs) some people just have enough time to like mitigate that so like we would have like a die off and then a bunch of them would die because like the temperature would get too hot or like something would just happen like they weren't doing well and then you just gotta restart yeah and then you have to restart but like because of that we lost a lot of time and so there were certain temperatures that we couldn't expose them to and so because of that I wrote the paper and I submitted it twice and both times it got rejected because people were like you need to do more research or like not more research but they were like you rejected by who so the way it works is like you write your paper yeah and then you submit it to different journals like, you submit it to one journal at a time. So, like, you'll submit it to, like, let's say, like, the Journal of Marine Biology and Ecology or something yeah. like that. And then you submit it to them, and then the person, so there's the uh, editor, and they'll look at it and be like, is this in the scope of what our paper or of what our journal, like, covers? Yeah. And if it is, then they'll send it to three independent reviewers who you pick. Um, and usually it's people who are, like, really big in the... Um, in the area that you're researching. Yeah. So there's, like, three people who are, like, pretty big in, like, fouling invertebrates. Um, and so, like, we would send it to them, and then they review it, and then they send their reviews that end up being, um, what's it called when, like, people don't know who says what? Anonymous. Anonymous, yeah. So they're anonymous, so it's, like, reviewer one, reviewer two, reviewer three, and you don't know yeah. who's who's who's. And then based off of what they say, they say they'll either say, like, oh, you should get... Um, it will be published, but you need to review it, or it will get published right away, which basically never happens, or it won't get published. Um, and so mine just, they were always just rejected it, hmm. um, which is really frustrating because you submit it and then you wait like three months and then, and then they're like, oh, nope. Huh. Um, so what, what is, so then like all that research you did, what does it do? Nothing. Really? Well, so this is my own fault. Like I haven't resubmitted it a third time so basically like the thing that people say is if you if it's been rejected three times kind of called time to call it quits yeah. and so my boss was like we shouldn't submit it a third time because he thinks it's like worthwhile to do yeah. um but there is like a part of me that just feels like it's doing it rejected again and so it's hard to like push through that especially because it was so long ago that i finished that project so it's still to this day like when was that it. 
like three years ago. <laughs> you should do it. Yeah, I know, but yeah, like, I work cool. on it every once in a while for sure. Yeah. It would be amazing to have like a, my one of my papers published, but it's hard when I have like that much time that's gone by and I don't really fully remember what I did because yeah. it was like only four months, you know. Yeah. Um, Do you kind of want to go back to California then, so you could like try again? So I don't think we would be working on that again. But just like try again to get another. Yeah, paper I mean, done. I mean, either way, like there's a lot of hope to get papers then, even if I continue working for like the Canadian government. Like there's yeah. a lot that you can do there. Um, yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter where you are. But the Smithsonian, I would definitely have a much higher chance. Yeah. Um, but Just I having be, that name. So, yeah, so the way it works also is, like, if you're working on the paper, like, you're the one who's doing the majority of the research. A lot of times there'll be multiple people who are working on them. So, basically, you'll have, like, your supervisor. Their name comes last on the paper. So, they're the one who kind of, like, oversees it. They, like, help you out. But, like, they're doing less of the actual grunt work and more of, like, the overseeing of everything. And then your name will be first if you're, like, the primary researcher, the person who's, like, doing the most. Like, so I would have been the primary researcher on that paper, which means a lot more than just being, like, a secondary or third, like, second or third Mm -hmm. researcher. Whereas if I think, if I go back, I have the potential to help out on a project, but I don't think I have the potential. I'm sure I would have the potential, but it would be less likely for me to be the one heading the project, you know? Yeah. Um, And so in that, like, once you understand the way papers are written, like, if you see somebody's name first, then you know that that holds more value than if their name comes third or fourth in the list of the people who okay written it huh so if you're the head of the project you're kind of controlling what's going on and seeing what gets done throughout it or you mean the person whose name comes last the supervisor oh no the person whose name comes the head i thought it was the head person like the person who comes first the primary researcher is the person who comes first so that's the person who's like doing all the work you know like not all the work because like a lot of people contribute to it but that's the person like so i would have been that because i was in the lab every single day i was the one who was like feeding them the stuff i was the one who was like monitoring it and then i report back to my to my supervisor and then he like he helped me so much because i was just an intern like and it was my first time ever experiencing anything like that um but once you get to a point where like if you're doing a master's or something like that yeah a lot of times you have a lot less help Mm -hmm. um so why were you trying to find this out because my supervisor wanted to know (laughs) but like (laughs) but what was the purpose so he was looking at um he was looking at multiple species like their feeding rate yeah and so basically the way it works is like like let's say you have a bay and you have multiple species. It's it's kind of like confusing the whole reason why he wanted to look at it. But basically, he had done some research that had looked at um, the the difference in like um, water salinities um, based on the year, like by how much it had rained. Because San Francisco Bay is an estuary, so it's half like it's it's saltwater and freshwater. So it has freshwater uh-huh. input, but it it also comes from the uh, Pacific Ocean, um, and so. If it rains a lot in that year, the salinity will be a lot lower because it's getting a lot more freshwater input. Um, And then the species composition changes. And so basically, like, the idea was that if you could see how, like, the feeding rate of all these different things, you could see how, like, algal blooms and stuff would be affected by that. Because if you have a year where something that feeds at a lower rate is in the bay because of, like, the salinity. So, like, I wasn't really doing that, but that was his reasoning for looking at all of them. Oh, so the stuff that lives in the bay doesn't necessarily adapt year to year. If it gets too much fresh water, they'll just move out of the bay. They won't move out of the bay, but they'll be there to a lesser extent, especially because a lot of those things have, like, pretty short lifespans, and so there's a lot of turnover. And especially because in San Francisco Bay, there's a lot of new docks that go up. There's, like, a lot of new boats that come in. So... Mm. So basically, like, there'll be years where certain things will flourish a lot more. And so, like, the species that I was looking at is one that, like, really only 
becomes like a majority of the composition of the species like in I think I can't remember if it was really low salinity years or really high salinity I'm pretty Just sure like either pretty one. low salinity yeah. um and so like it was this was the first time that they had seen it as a majority compared to a few other species in like four years and yeah. so it was like a really interesting year to be like looking at that species um and basically like the the idea is that like the feeding rate of things are different and so especially like certain mussels and stuff they have such high feeding rates and so if they're in the bay like a lot then there'll be basically like no like no algae and then a lot of other things will die um but also because they won't have food yeah um so basically so like there's a lot of mussels in the bay there will be less life because they'll just eat all the algae yeah, it depends. Like, sometimes that's a good thing because sometimes, like, algae cuts off the sunlight and then things can't survive because, mm. like, it yeah. kind of creates a film if there's a really big algal bloom. Um, and then also, like, it affects the water. Um, it affects, like, uh, the water oxygen levels because the al- algae will take up a lot of the oxygen and then things will die. But yeah. then also, if there's not enough algae, then things can't eat. Wait, I thought algae produced oxygen. Algae. No, take oxygen. Really? Wait, no, maybe now I'm confused. I'm pretty sure algae produces oxygen. Maybe maybe I'm thinking about it the opposite way. Google. You may be right, actually. I'm smarter than a scientist. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've researched this. You still know a lot, though. Um, and you said the... Uh... You said almost all the species in... San Francisco Bay aren't um, native, right? Yeah, so that's like this whole thing. Um, so a lot of, so a lot of the labs are called invasive species labs because what does it say? This is from this is from Wiki. So. It, it's fine. It, like this kind of stuff, it's fine to read it from other sources. Um, overall, the algae the algae do produce oxygen. They obtain their energy from photosynthesis, which does create oxygen. But when blue-green algae die, they decompose by a process that uses cellular cellular respiration, which uses up oxygen. Okay, so that's why. Okay, so yeah. they do produce oxygen, but when they die, they use it back up. Yeah. So it kind of probably, like, balances itself out. Yeah, but either way, it's, like, bad. So both ways are bad. Like, you want, like, an even amount. But different, yeah. but it's not, like, things kind of work in waves, like, with everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, in, in San Francisco Bay, it's, like, the most... Um, it has the highest, like, shipping, like, incoming shipping. Like, it's it was basically, like, a hub for shipping, like, forever. Like, since, like, people started shipping things. Yeah. Um, so, the animals that moved in, especially before we realized that, like, you could move different species by boat, mm-hmm. um, they all moved into San Francisco Bay so early. So, basically, like, I think there's, like, 350 species or something of, like, invertebrates that's in the bay, and I think, like, 300 of them are non-native. And so, like, we'll call the labs, like, invasive species, but invasive basically means that it causes a problem for the native species, like, the ones that have already been there. Yeah. But not all non-native species are actually invasive. Like, there's a lot of species that can move into a space. So would you call that? Non-native. Non-native. So non-native is just something that's not from that area, but it moves in, and, like, so not all... In, not all non-native species are invasive, but all invasive species are non-native. Okay. So they're not sense. from that yeah, area, yeah. but they're causing problems. But non-native species cannot cause a problem and just, like, yeah. not be from that area. Huh. So, like, let's say, like, you moved... So, like, one of the examples is Cyanosavini. That's not natural in uh, 
in San Francisco Bay, but it hasn't had any noticeable difference on anything else. And yeah. so basically San Francisco Bay like has had some problems with certain things, but because everything basically is non-native, it's kind of hard to tell what actually is causing problems. Mm. Um, one of the main things right now that's a problem basically everywhere is the European green crab. And that's like something that is invasive in San Francisco Bay and like a lot of other places, including BC. Um, it's something that like both the labs I've worked at. Is that the one that you're supposed to like kill. stab them or whatever? You're supposed to kill them, and I had a bad experience where I told, yeah. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> I got confused. That was another day where I was tired. <laughs> Probably traumatized a couple of children. <laughs> it's fine. You have to kill them because they they cause a lot of problems. They like eat like a bunch of like the the native plants, and they're like super aggressive, and yeah, they're like really they're really problematic. Huh. So that's one that, like, is invasive. Yeah. But then a lot of the ones that I research aren't fully invasive. There's a couple, but, like, the names of them are irrelevant because you won't know them. Okay. <laughs> I'm not smart enough. No, but it's just, like, they're really... Like, they're scientific names, but... Yeah. It's, like, all the species that I research are the ones that don't look alive. So, like, nobody would know them unless you're a marine biologist, pretty much. Oh, okay. Or, yeah. like, a boating person. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, a lot of them look like slime, and then a lot of them look like crust, and then some of them look like plants. It's so weird. Like... Huh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. People yeah, don't think about that level of... No, it's so weird. Because you look at it, and it's, like, so beautiful. It almost looks like coral. Like yeah. Some of, them lo- some of it looks like coral, for sure. But it's not. It's, like, a species that, like... or Like, it's so weird, because a lot of them are uh, colonial. So you can have, like, solitary... So the one that I was researching is called, like, a tunicate. So you can either have a solitary tunicate, which is basically, like, a blob of water and it filter feeds and it's like one thing mm-hmm. or you can have like a colonial one where it's like a sheet and that's what i'm talking about where it kind of just looks like goo almost you know okay um and then it has a bunch of individuals that live within like one colony but the colony looks like it's the individual and you wouldn't know you would see it and you're like this is a sheet oh okay yeah. but it's actually a, sheet a bunch of, of them. slime but yeah that's yeah. a bunch of them living within that that's it's crazy really interesting wow. and they all they all will have their own oral pore where they like suck in food and then they'll share an anal pore where they, like, expel their waste. Whoa. Yeah. Not wow. all of them, but to a certain extent. So there's one... Wait, just, wait, so that, wait, look wait. this one up. It's so pretty. <laughs> yeah. It's called so, Betrillus schlosseri. Should I YouTube it? Uh, or just Google no, it? No, just Google it. It's just really pretty. How do you spell what you just said? B-O-T-R-Y-L-L-U-S. Oh, can I see it, actually? Maybe I-S. I can't... I need to... Uh, it says Betrillus. Oh, yeah. So schlosseri. So to put the first word in and then S C H L O. Sir I. Oh, there it is. Yeah, and then look up a, an image of it. It's so pretty. It looks like little flowers. This. Uh no. The one this with one? the flowers. No, the look this up. This one. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's so what? beautiful. And so basically, like each of the petals is one individual, and the top of the petal is its oral pore and that's like, an individual and then the middle of the flower like the the stem or whatever yeah. is the anal pore and that's where they all expel their stuff what it and looks you, like the spongebob flower yeah what and you know what's so weird too maybe is like where, maybe that's where spongebob was these inspired. are like a really rare thing to like research Whoa. like it's pretty uncommon that you find other people who like first of all know what it is and second of all research it and yeah. like it's so weird so when i was in israel my cousin his wife uh is friends with a woman who works at a marine a marine lab in Israel and she was like oh like I can get my friend to do a tour of like the marine lab um for you 
And I was like, yeah, that'd be sweet. And then she was like, I was like, oh, do you know what she re- researches? And she was like, oh, like Petrillus Schlosseri. Like, you probably don't know what that is. And I was like, I researched that too. Whoa. And so I went and we talked about it. And she was like, that's so strange. Because like, Not many she, people do she it. researches the actual biology of it. Whereas like, what I've been doing with these labs has been researching the ecology of it. So I don't know the Explain exact the difference. So biology is basically like how the individual works, like how it functions. Yeah. But the ecology of it is how it like fits into the community as a whole. Ah. Uh. That thing looks so crazy. Yeah, it's they're so pretty. And there's some that are, like, purple, and there's some that are... They're either purple or yellow. Whoa. It's really interesting, because purple and yellow are, like, very, like, common colors in ocean creatures. Like, like, um, Pisaster, like, the starfish, um, they are either purple or yellow. And then this is either purple or yellow. There's a lot of things that are either purple Pizaster? or yellow. Pisaster? Yeah. Hi, I'm going to butcher it's the It's just spelling. a sea star. Starfish. No, it's just a sea star. This one? That one? Yeah. They're other oh, you see those everywhere. Yeah. Those are like the ones you see down at the beach here. Yeah. What? Ooh, look at this thing. We also see, so we put out these like Whoa. PVC plates on the docks and that's how we like monitor the, so that's like the main thing I'm, I've been doing lately is like doing the monitoring of like the, all of the communities. So what we do is we put out these like PVC plates that are like one, one cube meter or whatever, or one cube. Yeah. One cube meter. Wait, no. One cubic one cube meter. No, what's, what's like this? Square. Yeah, but like a square. Square meter? meter? Yeah. Cubic meter? Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah you're um, right. And so, and okay. then we'll put them out and then it acts as like primary settlement and then we, we see what settles on top and then we identify all of the species and like look at the composition to see like what's most common on it. Um, so we do like point counts of that. Uh, and then that kind of shows like how the the how the community has changed over time because they've been doing this research in a lot of different places for a lot of years. Um, and... It's really fun. Sometimes we'll find little baby sea stars on them. They're so cute. They'll be like so tiny. And sometimes you can only see them with a microscope and they're so cute. And then I always put them on They get finger. that small? Oh my God. Tiny. Yeah. What? Yeah. How, how do you, wait, how does this, how does this sea star reproduce? Is it asexual? Actually, I don't know. I'm... Man, the ocean is an alien world. Yeah. How do sea stars reproduce? They can produce sexually or asexually. There are males and females, but they're indistinguishable from one another. Um, they reproduce by releasing sperm or eggs into the water, which one fertilized become free swimming larvae and later settle to the bottom of the ocean. Sea stars reproduce sex- asexually by regeneration. Okay, yeah, so that makes what? sense. Because if you cut, so yeah, if you, if you cut an, one of their arms off, it'll regrow. But the arm will regrow a body? I think sometimes. What? That's nuts. I'm not 100% so sure. That's that. like, I know for sure if you cut the arm off, it will grow, it will grow another well, arm. Well, that would, that would be I'm how... I'm pretty sure that... Yeah. If it, it would have to. If it I reproduces asexually. I think if you cut like the tip off, it wouldn't just yeah. grow. But I think if you get a certain part... If you get like enough of the body of it or something, yeah. maybe? I'm, so I, can I you... Can't, I, I feel like I'm making... Wait, so can you not now. kill a jellyfish? Or a... Uh, no, you can kill them. I mean, like, by, like, cutting them They actually them have this, like, really intense thing. Obviously, that, you could kill them, but, like, by cutting them Did you ever hear about them. the sea star wasting disease? The what? No. Um, it was, like, this huge thing that was a problem, like, everywhere, and it was so weird. It was, like, super intense. So, all of the sea stars, like, at least around the coast, and then it happened the in coast, bunch of places. The coast, like, here? Yeah, but it happened, like, it was, like, happening everywhere, like basically. BC coast. BC coast, but it was happening everywhere. Yeah. But, like, I was in BC when it was happening. All the sea stars started wasting away, like 
where they would like turn it was so weird they would like melt and then they would like turn to goo until like finally they would just be like be like what they would be just like a pile of mush and it was really weird because um yeah whoa yeah it's really yeah it doesn't even that doesn't even look like a sea star yeah i know they're yeah they just turned to mush that's crazy yeah The ocean is legitimately insane. Mm-hmm. I always, I always kind of thought about that. Like that was one of the reasons I was so interested in, in uh, marine biology when I was going to school. Because mm-hmm. I was like, just because like things like obviously something that's super curious to mankind is like aliens. Is like finding like other life forms mm-hmm. on like other planets. But like there's aliens underwater. Yeah. You watch Planet Earth and like some of the animals they find down there don't look like they're from Earth. They yeah. look like they're from another planet. Well, so that's have you heard like... have you heard this the um the theory that octopus came from another planet? Yeah. That's insane yeah. too. Do you believe in that? Um no, but like but in a way, like, I know that they're so different from us, yeah. but no, I don't believe that they came from another planet. Yeah, the argument against it that I heard was that they are extremely different from us in terms of, like, what they can do and how they can rep- uh, mm-hmm. regenerate and their how they can change their color on their skin and all that. But it was like, they still have hearts. They still have digestive systems. They still have respiratory systems. And Also, cannot... fun fact, they have the largest synapses of anything in the animal kingdom so like their brains basically like work the they fire the, the, the fastest. Largest, yeah, fastest is that why they can maybe change their skin color because they have like um, more control over their body no that that just like is why they're so smart i think oh it's just because like, they can learn thing. right like you can you can train them oh for sure yeah they yeah. can learn how to like escape out of things and all that um but yeah have you ever worked with octopus no i haven't <sighs> so the way it it's really interesting. So when you research things, basically it's really hard to get permission to do research on vertebrates. So like anything like fish, like yeah. mammals, oh my God, it's impossible. Because that means kind of taking them out of their natural... Well... I guess it depends on what you're doing. No, like because everything you're doing is taking them out of their natural habitat. But guess, like yeah. people care a lot more about vertebrates than they do. But octopus are one of the few things that is basically when you're trying to get a research permit is treated like a vertebrate because people care about them so much. So it's really hard to get the permits to do that. Are they that. in vertebrates? Where, yeah, they are. Oh, oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Because they don't have the, because that, that means they don't have a spine, right? Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to do all that squishy stuff with the spine. That's so insane. They're cephalopods. What do you want to research? We've talked about this so many times, I feel like. I don't think so. Not on a podcast. I actually don't remember Not that. on a podcast. I... So this is like the whole thing is like, what's the, got, what's the dream? What I do you want to, sw- what do you want to swim around in the ocean? I want to work in caves. Oh yeah. You did tell me that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I meant like animals, but I guess you you mean like animals so, in caves. Yeah. So like the reason that I went into marine biology is because I was like really fascinated by like extreme ecosystems and like things that are just super different. And so I yeah. was really intrigued by like deep ocean because like the things in deep ocean are so different. But yeah. then I kind of realized like the whole, like part of the reason I was so excited about biology is because you can easily combine like kind of adventuring and biology and i'm interested in both so like you can be outside and like doing all these really cool things um but deep ocean stuff most of the time you're just sending an rov down um and then you're looking at either film or you're looking at samples that like that brings up so you're not really a part of that it's mostly lab work and like that just doesn't fit in really with what i want to do yeah you want to actually be a part of what you're doing yeah exactly like i don't i like having a combination of field work and lab work and yeah the field work i would be doing there would be like sitting on a boat like sending an RV down and I get seasick, so I can't really do that. <laughs> You're a marine um, biologist yeah. and you get seasick. My dad always joked that I should write a book called The Seasick Marine Biologist for Children. <laughs> 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 um, 
yeah, it's mm. ironic. Follow your dreams no matter what. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, so like I, and I don't know, I've had this talk with a lot of people for a lot of years, actually. Like, I love the ocean, but I don't like love the ocean, you know? Like, I love it, but it's not like something where I'm like, I could just have the ocean and I'd be happy. Yeah, like, like some I think people it's are amazing. obsessed. Yeah, I yeah. think it's amazing, but like, it's so funny because when I tell people I'm a marine biologist, a lot of times they're like, oh, so you must want to move to the tropics. And, like, that is the least... I would be so unhappy if I moved to the tropics. You like, like it here. I Well, it's, like, I need more than just the ocean. Yeah. And, like, that's all that those areas for me at least have to offer. Like, I've been to a lot of them, and they're super nice to go relax and all that. And But I like having the forest, and I like having the mountains. And, like, I it's funny because even if I had to pick in between being, like, landlocked and having like forest and mountains compared yeah. to like having just the ocean, I would pick the forest and the mountains. Oh. Um, but marine biology doesn't necessarily mean the ocean. So marine biology does, but my, but my undergrad was marine and freshwater biology, but most of oh, the research okay. I have yeah. done okay, has yeah, been, does. yeah, most of the research I've done has been marine, but I have done some freshwater stuff. And I actually think that I could also be re- really interested in that. Yeah. As well. I guess when I hear marine biology, I think like water. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah. Ocean. No, so it's not. It's yeah. that marine biology is ocean. Marine biology is specifically biology. ocean. Yeah. Okay. Or not not necessarily specifically ocean, but, but specifically salt, salt water. water. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. But yeah, so I I think that there's a big part of me that would like to like transition into maybe like more land based biology. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily land-based because I do really like, like, ocean animals. Like, not ocean animals, but, like, water animals. Yeah. Um, but that's why I've, I've always thought caves were so cool. Like, that was always a dream since I've been, like, 10. Like, I've just, like, always been so, like, excited about them. But I also haven't taken the steps to, like, properly pursue that because, like, I've been afraid of failing, I feel like, a little bit. Mm. You can do it. I believe in you. Don't we... Doesn't the island have the most caves yeah, per square kilometer or something? Yeah, we have yeah the most... The highest density of caves. And I haven't even been into one. In the world, right? In North America. Let's go to Horn Lake. Yeah. I'm what? Gonna... You've never been in a cave no, here? No, never. I've been in a cave here. And I'm terrified of caves. I know. We should go... Yeah, let's go to Horn Lake Caves. Yeah. They're epic. You can just yeah. go down in them. You yeah. don't have to get guided or anything. Yeah, I don't want to get guided. Yeah. I'm terrified of caves, by the way. I yeah, said that I know that. I, I know because when you and Dion were in... Uh, Asia, I remember telling him about all the caves, and I was like, you guys gotta go to all the caves, and then he was like, yeah, Eddie's terrified of the caves. I'm so scared of caves. <laughs> He's like, every time we go into one, Eddie's like, oh, like, should we really be in I here? I don't want to get squished by a big rock. I don't want it to fall on it's me. It's so weird. a literal weird. mountain falling on your head. It's so strange, because, like, I feel so safe in caves, like, more safe than I feel anywhere else. Like... It's not even... No, it's not even caves. It's if I stand under a rock... Like, yeah. like the other day I was at, at Goldstream. Have you been, have you been through like, if you go up the side, there's like a little cave you can go through? No, I... It's a, it's not a cave. It's just like, it's a, it's a past hole. The, past the second trestle. No, no, literally like in front of the waterfall. Oh. Like you oh, just, yeah, yeah. You just go up to the right. It's not, it's not a cave. Okay. It's just like, there's a big boulder yeah. that's held up by two other boulders and you can walk through it. Yeah. That terrifies me. I did it because it was cool, but I was like the whole time like, Were it's you by fall. Yeah. This is when I came down to Victoria. Yeah. Like the other day. Yeah. Funny. It tears. I just like. I don't like. It's the same thing as being held up by things. You don't like being. I don't like being squished under things. I just don't trust that things are gonna stay in place. (laughs) I'm always scared that whether I'm standing on something, being held up by something, or underneath something, that it's gonna fall and I'm gonna die. So funny. It's not funny. (laughs) I don't want to die. Yeah. No. It's fair. Yeah. I don't know. But that like the cave thing. That's a weird one. Like, there's very few people who actually feel safe in them. No. Yeah. 
that and, like, like, even, I, like I just think I have of, I think I have more fear than the average person but there's very yeah no, not like, many that's people a go, very natural fear like but really? that's what I'm saying is like I feel like I'm so weird because but you know what? I think I did push past it because I think I used to be afraid of them when I was really young because I used to go to this like zoo camp did I ever tell you about this no I used to go to the zoo camp when I was younger it was like in Toronto like not at the Toronto Zoo but there's this like smaller zoo called uh, Jungle Cat World and uh it was a zoo camp where we like turn like we would like help with like take care of the animals like basically take on the thing of like zookeepers and we'd go to like camps and old folks homes and give like presentations about animals and we'd like bring like like an- we'd bring like cougars to like old folks homes what? yeah <laughs> no joke yeah it was the coolest place but uh that's a rowdy old folks home yeah. playing with cougars I don't know. well you didn't play with them we got to- we would hold them but um yeah and then we it was really interesting because, like, once they liked you, they kind of had, like, a side group of people that they would invite on, like, really adventurous things. So, mm. it was, like, it was a zoo camp, but it was, like, half-adventure camp. And that's where I started caving was, like, when I was really, really young at this camp. Because mm. um, the guy who ran it is the coolest person I've ever met in my entire life. You should do a podcast with him. Um, What's his name? His name is Peter... Peter Close. Peter Close? Where does he live? And uh, I don't know now, actually. No. Oh, sorry, um, Peter. He'll but his... <laughs> his... <laughs> His parents owned the zoo, or I guess they all owned the zoo. Um, it was a really, really small zoo, but, like, it was just, like, the things that they did for, like, the community and, like, for the kids who came. It was mm. just really great. But he was, like, a very adventurous person. Like, he, like, cave dives, and he, like, has died almost, like, 15 times. Like, he's crazy. Like, such a cool person. And so he was, like, always really interested in that stuff. So he's, he started doing it, like, it was in week sessions, and it was a sleepover camp, and we'd go uh, caving once a week. And I remember when I was really young, I was, like, I, I remember I would go, but I was scared, like, what, when I, the first couple of years that I went, and then one year it just, like, switched, and, like, every time we went, I was, like, so stoked, mm. and, like, that was what I looked forward to, like, the most out of, like, any, like, any day of the week, and, like, we would go, it was kind of, like, messed up, we'd, like, go into, like, these caves, like, not in the safest way, to be totally honest, like, because there would be, like, when he was running it, I think it was, like, pretty safe, but, like, sometimes there would just be, like, counselors who'd be, like, okay, let's go, you know, um, into the caves. And, like, legit, we would bring, like, on, we kids. would bring string, and then, like, just, like, wrap <laughs> our way through the cave. And some of them were, like, water caves. Like, you had to, like, your face was, like, this much in water. What? And they were, like, t- like tiny, tiny holes. I don't like that. Like, smaller than, like, like, the holes in between this table. I feel like it's in my genetics, since I'm a large human, that yeah, I don't like caves. Because I, I took a, one guy that I was dating on our first date caving, and he got stuck in the cave. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was so funny, but he was so mad. <laughs> because, but it's not like, the thing is that, okay, fairly, like, you're a really big person, so, like, you probably wouldn't be able to do a lot of the stuff, but in general, if you're, like, an average-sized person, it just takes, like, thinking. It's like a puzzle, almost. Yeah, like, yeah, like, obviously, Yeah, and obviously there's certain spots you just can't fit through, um, but it's really cool because, like, if you actually take the time to, like, look at the cave and, like, look at how you would go through it, there's, mm-hmm. like, a lot of times where you'll be, like, oh, like, this slot is, like, perfectly shaped where there's, like, a butt, like, groove, uh, grooved out and, like, a boob grooved out. <laughs> you just, like, slide through it. But if you, like, weren't thinking about it and you were, like, stressed, you yeah. could, like, get in in a weird way and then yeah. be stressed. But if you can get into something, you can get out, you know? But, like, it's when you start to panic, um... And obviously there's cases where that's not the case. Like, if you're holding your breath super hard, obviously, yeah. like, there's, like, certain situations where, like, you could actually get stuck. But, like, most of the time, if you yeah. can get through it, you can Did I tell you the story my buddy told me about his, about about his friend rib? breaking yeah. his ribs? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I think that's where, yeah. That's why yeah. I'm, like, about... Yeah, so, like, there's things like that, obviously. Yeah. It's not the safest place, but it's... 
Yeah, yeah my, I'll, I'll tell it. My, yeah. my friend, uh, he does, he was in search and rescue, so he did a bunch of uh, caving in, uh, I, think he, I think he did it mostly in Banff National Park in Canada. And uh, he was going through this cave, and to get through the spot they were at, you had to blow all the air out of your body so you would compress your chest, so your rib cage would compress, and you had to hold your breath while you were going through this part of the cave. Uh, but his buddy got like halfway through and he panicked or something. So he took a big breath in and he cracked a rib. He broke one of his ribs because the rocks obviously didn't let him re-expand. And then he had to, he, while his rib was broken, he had to blow out all his air to get out. Yikes. Like that sucks. Like yeah. why would you do that? Why would you do that to yourself? But so it's I mean, obviously I he didn't know. mean to, but like yeah. don't put yourself in that position. I don't know. Like I really it's crazy. I find them so relaxing to like the point where it's like kind of unhealthy. Like I've always kind of said, like, I feel like I'm gonna die in a cave. And like the other day we were talking and I was like, you were like, Oh, like when you're 80, like oh yeah, you were asking, like, well, what is the world gonna be like when we're 80? And I was like, I don't think I'm gonna make it that long. And I, I think <laughs> it's because I'm gonna die in a cave. I'm like young. But like I, at least I'm, I'm already Don't 25. Say that. No, I'm, but it's not in like a death wish kind of way. It's just like I've always just kind of had that thought. But like if it happens, like, yeah. I was happy at the time. So yeah. like it's all good. But, um. <laughs> I mean, I know you love caves, but if the cave started collapsing, I don't think you'd be that happy. Like, you don't understand. Like I the, think you'd be stressing like, out a little bit. You don't bit. understand, like, the serenity I feel when I'm in caves. Like, it's so weird. Like, I could I could lie in a cave. Sarah and I went, I took her caving. So there's this one spot, the spot I used to go with camp um, in Ontario. It's, like, two and a half hours from Toronto. And uh, when I go home, like, I usually go. And I remember I've talked to Sarah about caving, like, so much. And we went in Asia, but I'd never taken her to this place. Mostly because it's, like, a very serene place for me. And so I'm, like, really careful with who I bring with. Because I don't want someone to not enjoy themselves and then, like, feel like I... I get really upset. You get really... I know. You get really disappointed when you want someone to be impressed and they're not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also, like, that's, like, such a happy place for me that, like, I... Like, it's hurtful for me. (laughs) Like, I remember having this conversation with Dion a couple times where he was like, oh, like, like, let's go caving. And I was like, you can't invite anybody else. Because, like, I'm not taking a stranger in. Like, I won't. I did it one time when I was in Asia... Sarah and I found this, like, dirt cave, and you had to, like, army... Like, you couldn't even army crawl. Dirt you had to, like, cave? Yeah, that's what we called it. It was, like, up this ladder, and then you had to, like, roll through it. Like, you couldn't, like, stand up. And I remember we were so excited. We had, like, made these friends, and we're like, we have to show you our dirt cave. And then... <laughs> and then we, uh... And then we took a bunch of people in, and I was leading it. And, like, it was a few people, like, I didn't know, and even then it was people I'd met for, like, two days. And yeah. I, I had a panic attack in the cave. And I was like, everybody needs to get out, like, now. <laughs> And then everybody got out, and then Sarah and I laid, laid in the cave for, like, an hour longer. Because <laughs> then I was like, oh, it's fine now. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not having a panic attack because of the cave. I'm having a panic attack because people. you're on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. And then I felt, like, so good. But, like, one time I took, like, I took her to this place, and we honestly, like, we, I really like being in caves and not having my headlights on. So, like... That's we, cool. We, we, uh, me and Dion did that in, yeah. in Thailand. We found we found a cave that wasn't, like, a tourist spot. We literally just, like, came oh, yeah. across that, it. Our dirt cave was not a tourist yeah, spot. Yeah, and then we... But this was a math... It was, like, it had ladders in it, yeah. but it wasn't... There was no one there. There was yeah. no signs. We just came across it. And it was really long. We were in it for, like... like I mean, long. That for, was in Raleigh, right? Yes. Yeah, and then we came... So we, we were going up. We could tell we were going up. We didn't have headlamps and it was getting really dark, but you could just see like where everything was and where yeah. the ladders were. And we got to the top and then we looked out 
and we got to like this huge view because it came out like halfway up the mountain yeah. and then we looked down there's a guy rock climbing like right up to the that's top so of the cool. cave I've heard that yeah story. it Did was you guys sweet take photos of them? yeah we have a photo of us like up in the cave so it was cool. so it was super cool yeah but that was that was definitely my career actually the the the, uh, the cave that we went in that we actually purposely went to um oh, what's it called Lod load it's like L-O-D. That's it. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. I think it's Lod. Um, it's in northern Thailand. And it was ridiculous. It was huge. Like, See, that's the thing. I love huge caves, but like not to the same extent that I love like little caves. It was like a hundred... It was probably a hundred feet tall and like 60, 70 feet wide. Yeah. And it was just this huge cavern. And we were on this little bamboo boat with this dude oh, yeah, paddling. But there, and there was huge fish. The water wasn't deep. It was like maybe three or four feet deep and there was these fish they were probably like three feet not that big they're probably like two feet long and they were everywhere they, they, like it looked like the water was alive and you could so just like cool. reach down and grab a fish if you wanted to and we just had like these little lanterns and there was, I've seen a photo it, from it, that. so cool. I felt like I was in Harry Potter yeah like you know that you know that um have you seen Pirates of the Caribbean yeah have you seen the scene where they're on the boats yeah and, like the little boats and they got the um the yeah, lanterns yeah. and there's the guy in the back pushing i felt like i was in that scene yeah, yeah. that's so cool i really wanted some theme music yeah when i was in there but yeah. there was a lot of bats though we kept yeah. getting shit on yeah yeah, yeah. it makes sense that you like the bigger caves i really like the little one but anyways like you keep interrupting ones. me we I'm sat sorry. in this cave for like an hour with our headlights off just like talking about life and like listening to the silence and it was like the most relaxing thing i've ever done was it dark yeah was it like pitch oh, black oh it's like pitch black in yeah. The cave, yeah um yeah, so there's, like, three people that I go caving with. Like, her, and I haven't even been with her a lot, but I have two friends who I actually met at camp. So, like, my best friend, Caleb, so we go, like, once, pretty rarely, actually, it's pretty rare that we go, but the the main person I go with is my friend, Josh, and so I met him at camp also, mm. and then he also loves going into caves. Were you go caving with me? Yeah, but you can't freak out. I wouldn't, I don't upset. freak out. I just am always thinking about the fact that I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't freak out. Actually, I joined the <laughs> Vancouver Island Caving Club, but I haven't. I don't have a car. How so come I, you haven't gone yet? I oh, don't have a car, so I can't car. make you it. You need anywhere. to get the car. Yeah, I know. What are you gonna name your van? Uh, you have to meet the van before I name it. We've just met it. That's gonna be. You're totally gonna get that van. We I, went and saw a van today. It was really good. It was a nice van. You're gonna get that one. I can tell. Really? It was so good. Why wouldn't you get it? If the mechanic says it's good, you should but get it. But what if they sell it before I have time to take it to the mechanic? Don't don't worry about that. It's not gonna happen. It's not, I don't know. I do really like the van. I yeah, no, that was sweet. Yeah. Are you excited for van life? I'm so excited. Your parents aren't though. No, no. my parents are not excited <laughs> for van life. They are very nervous. That's fair. Especially Even my like, mom was nervous when I told my mom that you were gonna move to a van. She's oh yeah, like, she what? said she was nervous about you. And yeah. She was like, and then he's like huge. Yeah. I'm not. I'm never too nervous in a van. Yeah. But well, I think you'll be all right. Yeah, I I am nervous about it for sure. Like there's. Because I listen to it is a little nerve wracking. I mean, like when yeah, you go yeah. That's step one: is stop listening to murder podcasts. Well, I you know what I kept thinking. I was like, hey, like when it gets to be a month before I move into the van, I'm just gonna stop listening to them. But you should just stop listening to them in general because you bring it up in pretty much every situation. You're like, I feel like I'm gonna get murdered. <laughs> pretty much everywhere. We <laughs> but that's go. not because of the podcast. That's just me. Okay, well, you should get over that because you're gonna destroy a lot of happy events thinking you're gonna get murdered. Well, what happy event did I ruin? Not ruin, but just in your mind. If you go into th- every, if you go into things thinking you're gonna get murdered, That's you're not true. gonna have a great time. This is true. Yeah, so you should like quit the murder podcasts. Yeah. I bet they're interesting, but maybe leave it like once a month. 
Yeah, I think when I move into the van, I have to completely <laughs> stop. But the hard thing is when I work in a lab, that's when I go, like, hard at podcasts because I'm, like, working by myself a lot. Yeah. Or if I'm not working by myself, I'm working with one other person. But we talk, like, you spend, like, a month straight with that person. So I'm, like, yeah. you need podcasts. And then I, like, I get into, like, stints where I, like, force everybody else to listen yeah. to Yeah, I didn't even know there was murder podcasts. My God. What do they talk about? Murders. But, like, like real-life murders? Yeah. yeah. And they just, like, they, like, talk about how it happened and all that? Uh, yeah. Oh. There's so many of them. Yeah, but... Yeah. There's a podcast about everything, though. No, but there's, like, 50,000 podcasts about murders. Huh. Like, That's interesting, you never actually. run out of them. They're so good. That's a lot of murders. There's a lot of murders that happen. That's scary. Yeah. But, yeah. No, van life will be fine. I think definitely, um... Definitely here. Yeah. Like, the island is... Like, the island is, like, the best place to van oh, life. Sure. Out of anywhere I've ever been. Yeah. It's so accommodated for it. You can camp anywhere. Yeah. And people are pretty chill about it. The only thing that I'm, like, a bit worried about is I feel like every time I've, like, lived in a van for, like, multiple weeks at a time or, like, lived... Because I, I did my road trip, like, to Colorado and then, like, and then a couple years ago I did a road trip from California to Alaska and we stayed in the back of my friend's truck. Mm-hmm. But every time I've been on one of those trips, I've been with, like, a guy and then I always am really cold at night and so like when it gets cold then I'll just be like you cook and I'll just sit in here with a blanket <laughs> and then <laughs> but like to the extent oh where it's not God. it's not just like sometimes it's like always like I don't get out of the, out of the I literally have a photo of that exact thing <laughs> I have a photo of Dion cooking and you sleep and you cuddle up in a sleeping bag in the back <laughs> yeah that was our entire road trip to Colorado I was like okay bye that's why I like mine because I can cook in the van yeah yeah, I... Yeah, You'll be so, able to cook in yours. Get a little stove. You just gotta make sure you leave a... a crack open. a window open so yeah. you don't die. Um, I... Yeah. I don't know. I... It's possible that I just will always eat dinners. Like, I'll always buy dinners or something. Yeah. I don't think so, because I don't want to do that. Like, or I you could go do. hardcore van life like us and eat straight out of the can. I probably will. End Chickpeas. Up, yeah. I think that, that's apples. most likely what I'll end up doing. Yeah, you don't think you're going to do it, but you do. No, I think that that's Every what time I, I go on a trip that I know I'm going to be in my van for a while, like whether it's a week or a couple months, I'm like, I'm going to try to eat really good. And there's been a few times that I actually do, but it always comes down to the fact that I'm just like, you know what, tonight's dinner is... Peanut butter and an apple. Peanut butter. Because <laughs> I don't feel like cooking in my van. So funny. Yeah, yeah, I I already know because like when I was hanging out with you those three months, I started eating cans of chickpeas just at home. Like I could cook, but people make fun of me for it. But now I start a trend. Dion does it now. That that girl that I met through Dion, the girl. That, well, you weren't there. We went bouldering with the oh, really? group, and they said that. Uh, and I was talking to her and she just moved into her van. She's like, yeah, I eat chickpeas straight out of the can now because Dion does. That's and I was so like, funny. Dion got that from me. It's <laughs> like, I'm starting trends. I'm That's starting so a dirtbag trend. I love it. All right, let's wrap this up. It's a good conversation. You want to keep going? We can keep going. Well, now you made it weird now if we keep going. <laughs> now you made it. Now I'm awkward. What do you want to talk about, pal, pal? Well, we, we were we... talking and you just stopped the conversation. You, I thought you were tired. I am tired. But you're liking the conversation. Yeah, now I'm feeling it. No, you're not feeling it? I am feeling it. Oh, you are feeling it? Okay, we can keep rolling. Talk about van life. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited. I've always wanted to live in a van. I know. Ever since I met you, you thought it was so cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Like, I... Yeah. I... I started thinking van life was so cool before you guys all moved into your vans. Like, it wasn't like I met... Like, I met you and then you guys moved into your vans and then I was like, whoa. We aren't idols. Yeah, no, it's like, I always wanted to do that. And then I was like, I just got lucky enough that I met you guys before you did that. And then I was like, okay, like, now it's like yeah it's not weird because i always joke about being like a van groupie but but like <laughs> but it's not like i act well now i do if i meet people with vans i'm like wow but wow. like it wasn't like i met you guys because i was like you live in a van let me be yeah. a friend 
But then I was like so excited when. I don't think Dion even lived in the, no Dion didn't Dion didn't live in a van until about a year ago. Yeah. Oh, Dion hit it. He hit a year. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, he did. No. Yeah, he did. Oh no, because he he, he lived in yeah. that place until August yeah. or until the end of August. He's coming yeah, up on a year. Him a cake? That's hardcore. Congratulations. He, I'm going to get him a card. Yeah. He lived in the back of a minivan. Think about that. Like for a year. Well, Dion, that's what I'm going to be doing. My, my friend Dion, she'll come on the podcast eventually. She lived in the back of a minivan for a year. Like a mom van. With a, with, with a bed frame that I built out of two by fours and a mattress. That's yeah. hardcore. That's yeah. that's like because people think van life and they think of like of like vans. mine, like a built out van. But I'm also gonna be getting a minivan, and the one that yeah. we saw today is small. That's not even like a full size minivan. No, it's a small it's van. It's tiny. Monty's bigger than that. Way bigger. It's not because that's not an uh, extended version. Monty's like extended, like it has like an extra two uh, feet or something. But you guys need that because you're like six foot five. Yeah, because I'm an extended version. I'm an extended version. <laughs> so I need the extended versions. Yeah. yeah, my feet even dangle off my bed right now. Yeah. I used to sleep the other way, like my head in the middle of the van and then my feet at the back and I had to switch because my head would like, I'd wake up and my head would be like hanging off the bed. So, so I had to switch to my feet would hang off the bed. <laughs> I do miss, there was something comfy about sleeping in Monty though. Well, Dion always complains that he Monty's he a van, van by the though. way. Monty's the name of the van. <laughs> We're like sleeping in Monty. No Have one we understand. said Monty like a lot? I, I said it a few times, but not many people probably know that Monty is a van. Yeah. Monty's my Monty was my the van, Pontiac and then Montana. I I retired Monty to Dion, and now I'm in a van named Peggy, Pegasus, Peggy's for short, and then Callie doesn't know the name of the van yet. Peggy smells so good. Yeah. It's because I live in it. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> We've been over this. It's the opposite. <laughs> I'm the only van lifer with a really good smelling van. Oh my god, it smells like heaven. Like wood. Maybe it's because you don't fully live in it right now. I I like sleeping it every night though. Yeah, you sleep in it every night. But like your stuff, like my the stuff, stuff that you and your cooking and stuff. Yeah, like, I remember when I was when I was living living in it in Victoria. Um, yeah, like when I would like work out. And I'd have, like, my bag of laundry. But my, I kept my bag of laundry in a, a plastic bag. In, like, one of those, like, recyclers, blue recycling bags. And, like, tied it up. And then put it in, like, a cubby in the back. It has a really? lid on it. So I was, like, just it was like pretty hard to... It. Yeah, it was pretty... You couldn't really smell it. The only thing is that gets kind of bad is if, like, I go for a run or something in my shoes. Yeah. But I just, like, spray it. And mine also has, like, a vent at the top mm-hmm. that I can turn on. So it, like, vents it out really well. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about mine is that the windows are all blacked out. Which is what I loved about it at, at first, first, but, but now I'm kind of like, mm, it's nice to have a little bit of light. Well, you said you're like, I can wake up, but like, well, not that you ever do this because you are very good with like being a morning person, but like, and like you could, it could be 12 in the afternoon and you would be like, it's, it's nighttime. pitch black yeah. in there. You don't see any, like if, well, there's actually, I think just like after driving it for a while, like something must've got bumped. So like a tiny sliver of light comes in now, um, uh, but I make sure I keep the door open. Like, cause I have, I have a bulkhead between the back and, oh, the, yeah. and the seat. So like I keep the little door open to the back open like two inches. So I actually see light coming in. Yeah. Otherwise I would know, have no idea what time of day it is. Damn. Cause it gets so dark. Yeah. I like that though. It's nice to sleep in and it's nice cause you like feel safe about it. Yeah. Cause when you don't really notice people walking by, whereas Monty is literally just a minivan with tinted windows. <laughs> you yeah. see everybody walking by. So every person that walks by, you're just like, they're going to look in, they're going to look in, they're going to creep me out. Every time I've had to like change in that van, like 
like Deanna's always like, oh, like it's fine, like nobody can see in here. Yeah. But then I've walked by a few times. And I'm like, you can definitely see in here. You can definitely see in. And I've like yeah. literally just been like, woo, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just changing completely. <laughs> definitely when the lights are on. If you put the lights on in the van, you can oh, see everything. Yeah. Yeah. If it's dark outside. Yeah. Yeah. The, the good thing about the good thing about the minivan method is that no one knows you're camping yeah. in it. It's true. Especially if you do have it blacked out at night, you don't see anything. That's yeah. Mine is... Mm, mm, Yours looks like you live in it. Because it has a vent. That's yeah. Right. But most people don't know what the vent is. But like a cop would know. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yes. But I don't usually camp. But you could also like... like but my, Yours is conspicuous enough that like... Even if they knocked, you could just knock. Yeah, that'd be, that's what I would do. No if someone, home. yeah, exactly. That's what's awesome about having everything blacked out. Is if someone knocks, I'm just, I just don't move. Yeah, you're and not no one knows I'm in there. Well, yeah. And I like, wait half an hour and then I drive away. That's the bad <laughs> thing about Monty, especially is like, or just minivans in general. It's like even if even with those blacked out windows, it's still like people can see you like moving inside, especially if they're looking. Oh yeah. When we were in Colorado, we got like busted by the cops. Did you? Just once. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um. Yeah, we were. We didn't realize that you couldn't park so i can't remember what it was it was i think if you you couldn't park in a state park past like midnight or something oh. midnight to 6 a.m but you could park in like a public lands and we didn't know that and so oh. we got into well, yeah it's the same thing as here you can't park in provincial parks or national parks okay well, whatever it yeah. doesn't matter it was like a really interesting like it didn't seem like it would have been a problem yeah um but we also were like just getting into like boulder and stuff and it was like i think there's a lot of van life for us so they're really really yeah. strict on the roads there's there. so many there um Oh, like, not so much because it's so hard. Like, but yeah. we, uh, so, and then, yeah, a cop came by and he was just, he, like, knocked and we were like, what? And then, like, obviously you can't pretend because if someone's shining a light and they can see you. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we just, like, got up and he was like, oh, like, just so you know, you're not allowed to park here. And we were like, honestly, like, we just got in, like, last night. We, like, had no idea. And he was like, and he was so nice about it. He was yeah. like, oh, you know, like, I totally understand. Like, they probably get so many people. Well, the thing is, too, like, the one thing that doesn't make sense to me is, like, if people are traveling in vehicles and, like, yeah, fair, they want people to, like, stay in hotels and whatever, but, like, I think it's so much more dangerous to tell people that they can't sleep places, and, like, I understand cities because you want to keep your city clean, but, like, places, like, on the side of the highway and all that to yeah. tell somebody they can't sleep there is so much more dangerous because then you're forcing people to drive tired until they find the right place, yeah. and so that's what I told the guy. I was, like, we were so tired, which is the truth. Like, we couldn't keep driving, yeah. and so I was, like we had to stop. Like, it wouldn't yeah. have been safe to keep driving. And then he was like, oh, no, I totally understand that. And then we were like, so... And then he was like, yeah, like, he ended up letting us stay there. Like, he was yeah. kind of like, well, I think I'll be the only officer who comes by tonight, but, like, if somebody else does, like, like you may get a ticket, but, like, he's like, you, they'll probably just say the same thing to you. And then we were like, so do we? <laughs> so. And then he was like, well, he's like, you guys are adults. Like, I'll let you decide. <laughs> kind of like, okay, we're not moving. So we ended up just staying there. You guys are, he was probably expecting you to do the responsible thing. No. <laughs> you guys we are adults. But we're going to stay. Yeah. No, yeah. he knew, he knew we were going to stay because he was kind of, like, I think he just would have gotten in trouble if he'd been yeah. like, yeah, sure, stay. Yeah. That was, I kind of, uh, the only, mm, actually I've had a few places that were kind of troublesome. I slept in Banff once, which you definitely not can, yeah. which you definitely can't do. Like in Banff, like the town. Yeah. Which I, I mean, tons of people do, but, um. There and then when I went to LA, we went down thinking that we would live in the van. That really? didn't even last a night. We got down there and and uh, and we we're just like, okay, this is not gonna work because we were in LA. Yeah. We were like, we wasn't like we were on the outskirts area. We were yeah. in LA and we were driving around trying to find a spot and it was like all these fancy neighborhoods and then it was like downtown it was super sketchy and we we're like, this is not gonna work. So we had to find an Airbnb last minute and then we ended up living at that Airbnb for like a month. 
And then, but then, what else do we have a problem? Me and Dion had a really tough time in Santa Cruz. Can't do it in Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah. Um, like, basically all the places that you want a van life, yeah. you can't van life. Yeah, that's so <laughs> yeah. Like, Victoria, it's not easy. There's, like, just Beacon It's Hill. so easy in Victoria. Well, just, I guess well because Beacon Hill. residential yeah. streets and stuff. But especially mm, in the summer. No, if you, go, if you go down to the Beacon Hill area, downtown. Oh, none of those residential All the residential areas have signs up. Yeah, I know. But I'm talking about, like, you could just do it. I still think it's so weird that they let you sleep there. I mean, I love it. It's awesome. They technically don't. I think they just allow it. You know, like they're like. That's what I mean. It's like it's happen somewhere. Yeah, but it's, it's like the most beautiful spot. Yeah, I know. They give so they gave us like the best spot in town. Well, so the park. I met these guys, <laughs> it's right like, by the ocean. When I was walking my cousin's dogs, I met these guys. You know the hike from Goldstream, like the the one I took you guys on, the, like yes. really nice like walk. And so I ended up meeting these two guys there, um, and they were. It was really funny. They ended so they ended up coming on the hike with me, and then we were talking. And the I was telling them about how I was gonna like move into my van, and the one guy was like, "Oh, my sister like just moved into like a really nice van," um, and she said he said she parked in the summer at Clover Point, and she didn't didn't hear like nobody came and knocked on her door at night. Really? Which is shocking. Like out on like, that peninsula? Yeah, I would think that they would patrol that every single night. Huh? It's surprising how some people get away with it. Yeah. Some people never have issues. Yeah. But that's a spot where you would have issues eventually, for sure. I, I mean, she I does bet it every night. I think she did it one night and got away with it. Oh, you just said all summer. No, I said in the summer. Oh, in the like, summer. Because yeah. I, I think you oh, get away with I it thought, in sorry, I thought you said all summer. No. Yeah, no, I mean, I've definitely parked in places that I knew, I, like thought, hundred percent I was gonna get knocked on. Yeah. And no one knocked on my door. Yeah. I've actually never been knocked on. Ever. I did it. I slept in someone's van in Tofino once. It was one of the, the huge Mercedes, whatever, Sprinter. Yeah. Um, and it you could tell somebody's living in there. And Tofino, they're usually so strict about that. Yeah. But we parked, and yeah, we didn't... Like, actually, we someone ended up knocking on the door. It was, like, really sketchy. And then they tried opening the door, and then we were like, that definitely is not a cop, because, like, nobody would... They tried opening the door. They tried opening the door, and it ended up being, like, this, like, really drunk guy trying oh. to, like, break into the car. But he kept coming back. It was really scary. Huh. Yeah. But we didn't know, and then the guy got out, and he was like, what do you want? I was talking about that. I think I was talking about that with you, how people in vans are always scared that someone's going to break in, but could you imagine, because like, brave people don't break into cars, right? Like, it's not something, it's not like a, like a hardcore people don't car hop. That's like a, that's like a low end criminal. (laughs) Could you imagine car hopping, going around, breaking into people's vans, opening the door and seeing somebody just like looking at you, you'd freak out. You'd be way more scared than the person in the van. They wouldn't, like, yeah, do anything, right? They're not going to pull a gun on you. Yeah. So it's kind of like, when I started thinking about that, I'm like, why am I scared about getting knocked on? Like, worst case scenario, someone's just going to tell me to move. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just a theory. Yeah. But. Unless someone knows you live in the van and purposely wants to. Oh, oh, you're listening to many murder podcasts. Yeah. We've already murder. been over that. Yeah. So funny. <sighs> Should we wrap it up for real now? Yeah. I'm getting tired now. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me back. I actually wanted you to talk about all your biology stuff. That's like the biggest. I know, but that was why I wanted you to come back. Oh. I do like talking to you too. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Uh, cool. Cool. Bye, everybody.